You're listening to episode number 30. Welcome to the Powerhouse Podcast. My name is Megan Swanson, former Miss Nebraska turned entrepreneur and expert pageant interview coach. And each week right here, we bring you a motivating conversation to help you discover just how to unlock the winner within you. Get ready for expert pageant interview secrets, life coaching strategies, and tons of personal development. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Now, let the podcast begin. Well, welcome everyone. This is episode 30. I'm here with Stacey Speller. She's a relationship expert for ambitious women, which is perfect for our audience and was personally mentored and traveled with Dr. John Maxwell. Stacey, we are so honored and excited to have you today. Thanks for being on the Powerhouse Podcast. You are so welcome, Megan. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. Well, our girls sent in some really awesome questions, but before we get started with those, we just want to get to know you a little bit better. Um, okay. For those of you guys listening, Stacy and I connected online, and I immediately was just like, oh my gosh, who is this incredible woman? She has an amazing brand. She's helping people find the love of their life, but also, as she's going to tell you today, she's and has an incredible, incredible leadership background. And so we are so excited just to learn some more about you. So why don't you just start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself, where you're from, your professional history, family, all that good stuff. Okay, so here's the good stuff. So I'm originally from Philadelphia. I have lived pretty much all over the country. I went to Los Angeles and lived there for about 20 years. I went to college out there and lived there. And I've lived in South Africa. Uh, I lived in Johannesburg for a couple of years. So when I say I've been all over, I've been all over. I've traveled to pretty much almost every continent. I absolutely love what I do. I am married. I have a son. And then the stuff, I always like to introduce myself with the stuff people really want to know. So my guilty pleasure is popcorn with a lot of butter. Um, I love HGTV and can binge watch on it like all day and all night. I think the Property Brothers are like eye candy and they make really nice houses. (laughs) So that's the stuff that people really want to know. Like, who are you really? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so the professional stuff is kind of there, but that's who I am really. (laughs) Yeah, I love that. I had a question about that kind of stuff later. My mom actually watches uh, the Property Brothers religiously, so I grew up with that. My mom, like, having a crush on them, especially because we're all so tall. Not an actual crush, as we know, but they're really tall, and we're really tall, so she's like, we love them! And her husband, my dad, is a twin as well, so it was just too much of a connection. So I want to know... you have a twin as well. I guess I should have put that in there, too. Oh, cool! You're a twin! That's awesome! Identical or fraternal? Fraternal, because I have a twin brother. Okay. So my twin is a guy. Yeah. Um, and we are also tall. So, yeah. Love it. I'm a Christian, fierce person of faith. Um, you know, I wear my faith on my sleeve. I have no problem talking about my faith. Um, and I have witnessed, you know, pretty much anywhere from, you know, the supermarket to the, to the stage um, because I really am very, very much um, into my faith. Yeah, love it. I'm, I'm that way too. My clients know it. We have girls from all over the country with different backgrounds, but it's just so cool. You know, in the coaching profession, it just befuddles me how people even try to be coaches without the spiritual aspect of things because you just can't fix some problems because they're spiritual problems if you don't have that spiritual depth. So that's awesome. Absolutely. 
Yeah. So I would love to know, how did you get started with all of this? I, I don't know, maybe you woke up one day and you're like, oh my goodness, I'm called to relationships. But as we were ch- talking a little bit before the podcast started recording, you have an extensive background in leadership as well. So I would love for our listeners to get to hear how you got to becoming a relationship expert. Okay. So I started doing a lot of leadership work, working with John and John is kind of like, you know, Time Magazine's leadership guru. Mm -hmm. So I started doing a lot of work with him and I would do conferences and I did a lot of executive coaching and I got to do it, you know, all over in America and Europe and Africa and in parts of China. And I started noticing these common themes and the common themes were women in leadership. The biggest challenge they have were their relationships because we're relational. So, you know, I would do, you know, John stuff and we would talk and we'd go really deep into the leadership and we'd talk about all these things, but ultimately it kept coming back to their relationships. And so I ended up starting to coach on things and they're like, wow, you've really got a great handle on this. And so it just really evolved from the leadership with really looking at the relationship aspect of it. And for most women, I don't care how professional we are, how ambitious we are, what our title is. Ultimately, you know, we want to have true love. And when we don't, and when our relationships aren't well, nothing else seems to be going well either. And so whether it's a relationship with a spouse, a boyfriend, a sibling, a parent, whoever it is, at the core of, of kind of our well-being, our relationships. And so I started realizing, in fact, I wrote a book, um, Directions to Destiny, and talks about learning how to just love, you know, find your relationship with God first, and then find out who you are and love yourself. And then from that point, go into looking at all your other relationships. Yeah, I love that. That's so important. And for some of you guys who are listening to this episode, you might already be thinking, well, what the heck does this have to do with pageantry? But if I could just take you behind the scenes a little bit, um, so many of the problems that are going on externally in pageant women's lives are actually indicative of their closest relationships. And that's why we wanted to bring Stacy on today because she's an expert. And it was so cool because when I pulled my current clients, they had so many questions and they immediately were vulnerable because so many women are looking for these answers and have no idea, you know, or no people around them. Um, maybe their parents can't answer these questions or they don't have a good example of somebody in their life. And so we're just so excited to have Stacy on today. And I'm excited for everybody who's listening. Some of you guys who might've been the ones who sent in these questions to get your questions answered. And so Stacy, my next question for you is what is your favorite thing about what you get to do every day? And I'd love to kind of hear that transformational process that you bring people through and maybe the, the most common thing that you help people with. Well, I, I mean, what I love is being able to see the transformation and to see people like kind of have that light bulb and it goes on and they're able to actually see it so that they can make the change. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the common themes that I find are the stories and the lies that women tell themselves. So that narrative that replays over and over, and it could have started when you were like eight, nine, 10 years old, and it just keeps going. And so it's the, you know, the lies and the stories of you're not enough, or, you know, this doesn't work or that doesn't work. And it becomes like your baggage. So if you have one experience, like, you know, you may have had a bad experience with a boyfriend in high school. And you're 25 and you're still replaying that in your head. And it's still that same lie, that same story you're telling yourself. So being able to kind of unravel that and unpack that baggage, that's probably the largest thing. The second thing I would say is clarity. Because so many women want a relationship, but they don't even really know who they are and what they want. So they're kind of looking for this unicorn, not even knowing what they really want. 
And so when you ask them, like, I mean, I, I will literally, I mean, I've asked hundreds of women different ages and I say, what do you really want in a guy? What are you looking for? And they don't even know. And then I say, well, what's, what do you value and what's important to you aside from your educational accomplishments or anything else, like at, at your crux and at your heart, what do you really value? And they don't, they can't answer it. So being able to create that level of awareness so that now you're not wasting time in, you know, with the, these dead-end relationships because now you have clarity and now you're able to say, okay, I know who I am. I know what I want. This isn't it. And then you can move on. And it's not personal and you don't have to, you know, fall in love and then realize he's not the one and then go through that whole roller coaster cycle of emotions and you can't sleep and you can't eat or you're overeating and all the stuff that comes with <laughs> with that and you can you know it's like get off the roller coaster of love and just you know get some some clarity so you can get you know stable and actually find what you want come on somebody i love that oh my gosh i can put both hands in the air and you know that's, that's interesting because i think a lot of times as women um, and especially the women that I work with, we will consider ourselves, well, I'm a leader and I'm a high achiever, so this isn't going to happen to me. And so my question for you is, are there some basic values that you have found in your professional experience that every woman should be looking for in a man? And then in addition to that, what are some of maybe those values that most girls who are looking for the unicorn might think that they want that you find end up not being values that actually matter? Well, I have, and, and, you know, it sounds funny at first, but it actually, it really does work. So I have what I call my three-point litmus test. Okay. And if he doesn't, like, get with these first three things, then, like, don't even waste your time. <laughs> <laughs> love it. So the first thing is he has to love God because there's something about a man who's grounded in some kind of faith. Now, he doesn't have to be some, you know, he doesn't have to be a pastor or preacher, some like religious nut job. You know, he may not even need to go to church, but just to acknowledge that there is a, there is a higher creation than himself. Because when a man who, who doesn't even believe there's anything beyond himself, it creates a level of arrogance that you're never going to want to live with long term. Mm -hmm. So he has to love God. The second thing is he has to love his mother because that is such an example of, of what he values and how he would treat you. Because if you can't love the woman who carried you for nine months and gave birth to you, how on earth are you ever going to love another woman in any kind of real meaningful way? So if you meet a guy and he, you know, he doesn't have a, have a great relationship with where he calls or every day and sometimes things happen, but you know, it, I've heard of men who just speak disparagingly of their moms and you know, they're really just ill, ill towards their mom. That's a red flag. So he's got to love God. He's got to love his mother. And the third thing is he can't be cheap. Now, let me clarify because I know that's like, I'm not saying go be a gold digger. That is not what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Cheap is a mindset. Mm -hmm. And it's a mentality. And there's nothing wrong that if he's got goals and he's trying to save money to buy a house or whatever he's trying to do, that's not cheap. I'm talking about where he doesn't recognize value and he wants everything on the cheap. You know, he wants you to be a booty call and, most, and he wants you to supply the wine and the, and the snacks and come over to his place. Come on, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. That's a cheap man because he doesn't see value and he doesn't want to invest. Yeah. So... If he doesn't want to invest and he's cheap, he'll never see the value in you. And when a man doesn't see the value in you, that's a straight ticket to a miserable relationship and you'll end up in regret. So those are the three things that you can just right off the, right off the bat look at and say, okay, 
three-point litmus test, he failed. Let me just keep going. Because otherwise it's not, you know, relationships don't start wrong. I mean, they don't end wrong. They start wrong. And so if you overlook those immediate red flags, it doesn't go well. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so funny. I was actually just talking with a friend of mine about this uh, yesterday. And she was able to cut off a relationship after just a couple first dates because she listened to those red flags. And those are some of the things that we talked about. So that's awesome confirmation. What are some of the things that you feel like girls put way too much time and effort into thinking matter? Um, that whole unicorn approach or a list of 5,000 things. And what have you found are, are end, up, end up not being so important that are maybe on a lot of girls' lists? Well, I think it's, that goes back to knowing who you really are and what you really want and what you really value. Mm -hmm. Because ultimately, if you want somebody who's going to be a partner, um, then, you know, the things we think that we need. So we'll look at things that, like, are so insignificant, like, you know, maybe what he has on when he comes for the first date. Mm -hmm. That is so subject to change. I mean, if you end up in a relationship with him, you can, you can change. I mean, you can, that's the kind of thing, like, you can shop for him if you don't like it. Mm -hmm. uh, um, I had one lady who was actually, she owned a hair salon very successful hair salon. And she didn't like a guy because of, you know, he was starting to have gray hair. And I asked her, I said, well, he seems like such a nice guy. Have you ever thought that, you know, you could color it for him? And, you know, so those kinds of things. And again, it goes back to what do you really want and what do you really value? If you know yourself and you know, hey, I've got big goals, I've got ambitions, I've got dreams. I need somebody who's not insecure. Mm -hmm. I need somebody who's going to be supportive. I need a teammate. I need a partner. I need somebody who's going to, you know, be prayerful with me. Like those are the things that are going to really matter in the long run if you want to sustain a long-term relationship. And unfortunately, too many women focus on the things that are kind of temporary and short term, and you end up in a miserable relationship. Maybe, you know, like, oh, my God, I just love his eyes. But if he's a jerk, six months later, you're going to be sick and, you know, love sick. Like, oh, my God, why didn't I pay attention to the signs? But I just got so fixated on this one thing that really didn't matter. Yeah. I love that. And this is a perfect like parlay into the next question. And I'm genuinely wondering this too. So actually a gentleman sent in this question and he was wondering what is the line of when you might cut somebody off for being insecure or is there a line if they're, they're acknowledging that they're insecure, but they're willing to work on it. What is your professional advice on what that dating relationship should look like? If they maybe check a lot of other boxes and they're willing to work on that insecurity. Well, insecurity can kind of manifest itself in several different ways. Mm -hmm. So if it's kind of like seeming obsessive, you know, like where they're like, okay, where were you? Didn't text me back. I'm beginning to call me. Like you said, you're going to call a five and now it's not, you know, if it gets kind of obsessive and you can almost see those red flags, like, okay, like it won't even feel comfortable to you. Yeah. Because it's almost feeling like they're, it, it, it feels more like law enforcement and you feel like you're being interrogated. That is a head for the hills sign because it's only going to get worse from there. But if someone is willing to be vulnerable and acknowledge, you know what, I've got some insecurities, you know, maybe, you know, I had a, a, a boyfriend or a girlfriend who cheated. And so, you know, it kind of, you know, makes me a lot more mindful and I really want to work through that. But 
you know, it is there. So, you know, if you see it, you know, let's talk through it or point it out to me and stuff like that. So when somebody has awareness and they're willing, I think you should be, you know, give them a chance. Yeah. and see if, in fact, you can work through it. But when they're not acknowledging it and you're just seeing the behavior back to back to back and it feels like you're being interrogated, um, if, you know, maybe they have a negative opinion of your dreams, your goals, your ambitions, you know, you've got pageant girls and if they're like saying, no, I've got to train, or I've got to do this, I've got to go rehearse, I've got this or that. And they're like, oh, you're always doing that or why that? And, 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 and everything that you value is being considered a negative that's a red flag. That's a sign of their insecurity. Like as you advance, I'm going to feel more insecure and I don't like that. So let me go ahead and try and poo poo that advancement. Yeah. Come on. Wow. That speaks to me personally. That is awesome. I'm so appreciative of that. And that's why I just think it's so amazing that you're changing lives like that every day because women just don't know that. And my next question that I, that I hope that you'll be excited to answer, because I think that even I'm wondering, and I have wondered in my own life, is I think that there are some very strict boundaries that the Bible sets out for us that we are aware of. You know, things that are a boundary line, we don't cross this line. But how can you maybe help our listeners, and even me who's navigating a new dating relationship, in how do you coach people in what those other boundaries that are maybe a little bit more gray area, um, both emotional boundaries, sometimes even more so than physical boundaries. Um, yeah, talk to us about that. I'm really curious. Well, I think boundaries are really, really important. And I think a lot of the heartache women experience, and I, you know, I love when I can catch people on the front end, like, okay, before you have your heart broken in a million pieces and you're curled up in the fetal position with the ice cream tub, eating it right, a spoon and the ice cream tub, <laughs> you know, thinking you can't take another step forward and face life, start looking at some of these things ahead of time. Women have to do really good jobs of setting boundaries, but sometimes we want that relationship so bad mm -hmm. that we send our boundaries on vacation. Mm. And we don't set them from the beginning. And then we wonder why they're not kind of just being respected. Mm -hmm. The right man will respect your boundaries and he will actually welcome it that you are a woman of standard and you don't have a problem setting boundaries. But it's again, that narrative and that lie you tell yourself like, Oh, if I set boundaries, if I say no to this, or if I ask, if I that, that he's not going to ask me out on another, day. you know, you have to do this and you should be able to set your boundaries. And if he's the right guy, he'll respect. And if he's not, he won't. But you want to know that before you get all caught up and in love. Mm -hmm. So I think boundaries are incredibly important. I think they're personal and subjective. You know, some people feel, you know, comfortable after a few dates, you know, maybe a hug, a side hug, a, a kiss, you know, that's where, you know, everybody has to you know, kind of navigate what works for them. But I think the emotional boundaries are even more important. Like when you start, again, seeing those signs where maybe they say things that aren't very kind and you see kind of those signs of like manipulation and things like that. That's when you've got to say, you know what, this is crossing my boundary and I'm not, I'm, j I'm just not going to go there. Yeah. Yeah. How do you encourage people who have been through trauma in a relationship? Um, to navigate the healing process and how to, like we discussed even, how to make sure, as you said in the beginning, that those things don't show up in a future relationship. And why this is so interesting to me too, is because I think of even, like what if somebody came from a really bad home life, say a male who didn't have a good mother or didn't have a mother in their life, and 
all these things happen. Um, maybe there's some trauma or maybe they look for a woman to replace what they never had and it's really toxic. So how do we encourage people through that healing process? And then also in our selection of somebody, how do we not hold somebody accountable for what they never had? Well, you know, I think women have to get really clear between, you know, do you want a romantic relationship or do you want to be a social worker? Mm-hmm. And there's a difference because social work love never works. And, oh and, and too many women I find and interact with that are guilty of it. It's like, okay, so you're now your social work love and you're trying to mother him and fix him and change him and nurture him and pray him into something that he may never be. And that ends up, you know, years later and you're thinking, what was I thinking? Because sometimes people have trauma that they need like professional help for. And you can't love them through it and you can't fix them through it. You can be a great example of Christ. You could be a friend. You can offer to pray for them. You can send them scriptures. Like, you know, certainly be be a good witness to them, but it doesn't mean you're supposed to be in a romantic relationship with them. Mm. Somebody who's in that situation they need to focus more on themselves together than they should trying to be in a relationship. Mm-hmm. And the best thing you can do is offer them that. Like, okay, no matter how much I want a relationship, no matter how cute he is or how great he is or he serves at church or whatever his, his case is, he needs to go and do his own work and get himself together so that he can be whole and be in a relationship. Because, you know, two broken people in a relationship don't work. And even if one person's whole and the other person's broken, it still doesn't work. And so, you know, you have to say, okay, I'm not called to be a social worker. You know, I want to be in a relationship, but I'm not called to be a social worker. And you have to just get really clear about that. Wow. That is so powerful. Like that just set me free. Yeah. Social work, love. You're not a social worker. (laughs) And I would venture to say too, that, that really like, everything stems back to identity. I mean, a reflection of what you allow in your life is what you believe that you allow. Have you seen that in your personal practice? Oh, absolutely. Again, it's back to the lies and the stories. And until you unpack that baggage, you Mm -hmm. interrupt the lies and the stories you tell yourself, you'll keep with the same cycles, the same patterns. You'll wonder why you keep dating the same losers. And it's all because of that. And it's, it's taking that step back to get that clarity of who you are, what you actually want, in a relationship so that you know what you're looking for um, and you know what values you have. You know, if right now you ask your listeners like, okay, off the top of your head, what are your top five values you want in a man? Not what he looks like, but what are your values? You know, I would venture to say half of them wouldn't even know because they hadn't really thought about it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's so beautiful and so helpful. What would you say are the biggest lies that women do have to unpack about themselves when they're figuring out their values and figuring out their identity when you're working with them? Um, That they're not enough. You know, women continually, you know, sell themselves for less than, you know, unfortunately we live in a world where everything is so visual. So there's this like, you know, people are obsessed with comparison, you know, who has, who has better thigh gap, who has thinner thighs, who has a perkier butt, who has better hair, who has better eyes. I mean, it's just the constant, you know, you're inundated with images. And so just getting to that place where you're okay with yourself, because confidence really comes from within, you know, you can be insecure and, and confident and be, you know, 
beautiful. And conversely, you know, the opposite can be true. So it's really just doing the work on yourself so that you're not kind of falling trapped into that I'm not enough and you're continually comparing yourself. Um, The lie that, you know, if you had a guy who was a cheater, all guys are cheaters. Um, The lie that, you know, there's good guys, so I have to just settle for this guy because good guys aren't out there. Um, The lie that you have to do all the you have to you know, be intimate with them right away and you have to give so much of yourself and lower your standards and, and not have any boundaries because otherwise he'll go somewhere where, somewhere else. You know, those kind of lies. Those are the biggest lies that we tell ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so helpful. Um, I'm also curious about, have you had, and I'm sure that you have, it takes two to tango in every experience, right? So even if one person is arguably more toxic as you just said, it's still that other person's decision of whether they stay in a relationship or even engage in a relationship in the first place. What advice would you give to women if, to be completely honest, if they're the more toxic person in the situation and say they came to somebody like you for help thinking like, oh, well here, you know, I don't have anything to fix. I just need to fix my external world. How do you navigate those situations? And maybe what advice would you give us as women if, you know, in this situation, the girl was the more toxic person? Well, the most dangerous place you can be is in a place where you think nothing needs to be improved or fixed. Absolutely. Because, you know, if you're not growing, you're dying. And and so improvement and being willing to do the work on yourself and continually improve, you know, we're, we're a work in progress. And if you're a person of faith, you know that, you know, we speak the truth in love and we grow more and more like Jesus every day. So there's always something to be done. But anybody who would come, typically I don't get people who think there's nothing wrong with them unless they're coming and they're trying to resolve their relationship. And then they think it's all him. So once you know, I start speaking with them and then I start saying, okay, what about this? You know, and what about that? And it typically goes back to their baggage. Most of the issues and the toxic stuff that women bring to the table comes from their baggage and it comes from they've been hurt before. They've been, you know, have been betrayed by a guy. A guy's lied to him. He's cheated. And so that's where, where it typically comes from. That's mostly the toxic stuff that they tend to bring to the relationship. And so it's really just, if you've ever had any of those things, it's really just asking yourself, am I okay? And taking a look at the patterns that created it, because if you don't, you'll end up right back in the same situation. But deep down inside, I believe that you know when it's toxic, um, but you think it's easier to to blame it on somebody else because, you know, people don't want to do the work and say, you know what, I need to, I need to look at myself Mm -hmm. and figure out what made me even do this in the first place. Yeah. So good. So good. Um, I've kind of an off the wall question. What do you think? uh, I think a lot of times specifically in Christian circles, we talk about the word and throw the word around their accountability. In your opinion, should everyone have accountability in their life? And if so, then, then what does accountability look like in a healthy way? And how should that typically be carried out if people are navigating the relational process? So when you say accountability, are you saying as far as like in their dating or just kind of in general? Um, I would say more dating, but it also, I guess, in marriage, is it important to have accountability? I, th- I mean, we do, my husband and I, we have, you know, we have a couple and we're, you know, we do kind of accountability check. You know, to, to, to stay grounded and centered. But I think it's important to have that accountability, but it's more to 
you know, it's not, it's not to kind of like, you shouldn't have done that type of thing. It's more just somebody who's, you know, reminding you what you said your boundaries are, okay. what you said your standards are. So like, if you were to come to me and say, okay, here's, you know, here's where, what my boundaries are and here's what I expect and here's, you know, what I find is, you know, too much. And, you know, I'm just going to be accountable and say, okay, and I'm listening to you. And I'm like, well, Megan, I thought you said you didn't want that. Or I thought you said you didn't want to do that. Or I thought you said you weren't going to tolerate that. Or I thought you said this value was important to you. Mm -hmm. Um, And to bring you back. So it's not that they're setting the rule and the standard for you. It's just having that person where you're able to say, you know what, these are my values. And I don't want to compromise on those. Mm -hmm. So that that person, you know, six months into your relationship, hey, Megan, how's that going? Um, and bring it back to you. And I think that's very important. But it's, it, you said it, but you said it kind of up, you know, up close. Like you may have one where I don't want to be intimate with them. I don't want to spend the night with them or whatever it is. And then you're talking to your accountability partner and they're like, okay, how's, how's that going? Mm-hmm. And they remind you of what you said you valued. Yeah. Well, I think that is going to set so many people free. <laughs> you are listening, like, Oh my goodness. I think the word accountability can be so scary because people No, it's not. Yeah, they think it's like this, you know, school mom with a ruler pointing down at them and it's not. It's like, okay, this is what you say you value and you want someone that, you know, you respect somebody who doesn't, you know, is not there to judge you. It's more like to remind you of this is what you said you valued and now you're not doing that. Why why is that? Yeah. What advice might you give to people who are listening who might feel totally alone in this process? Let's say you know, cause some of my listeners are not Christians, which is totally fine. Some of my listeners aren't engaged in a, you know, a small group or a good community of people that they feel like, um, maybe right off the top of their head could be accountability for them. How might you suggest, and maybe the answer is you, for those of you guys listening, <laughs> but, um, how do you typically suggest people finding accountability, um, in their present community? Well, if they, I mean, surely they have something if they're doing, I mean, are most of your listeners pageant? people mm-hmm. and they're in pageant life. So they've got a network of other people who also are ambitious and have goals and things they want to have accomplished. Yeah. I would look there. I mean, they don't have to necessarily be, you know, and I mean, with the, with the invention of the internet, like zoom like this, I mean, they could be on the other side of the country. Um, but if there's a connection there, I would, I would start there. But like you said, if you're in the faith community, you know, your small groups, you know, anything like that. And again, it's not somebody who's there to judge you or to police you. It's mm-hmm. to remind you of what you said you valued. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's all it takes. You know, we're, you know it's kind of like you're doing it and you're like, okay, I really wish that I wasn't doing this, but I feel like I have to. And then when you know somebody's going to ask you about it, it's so powerful. Like, I mean, I do accountability coaching with, with women and professionals. If they don't do whatever they say they're going to do or hold whatever standard they're going to hold, I mean, there's nothing I can do to them. You know, I'm not like their mother. It's not like they're 15 and I can round them and they can't go out for the weekend. Mm. But just knowing that I'm going to ask about it mm. is so powerful because it's like, it's almost like it, it keeps you from being able to lie to yourself successfully. Yeah. Because now you're going to have to tell somebody else and they're going to know you're lying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you've already told them this is what I value. Yeah. So, you know, it's easy to slip that boundary or slip that standard. It was like, okay, the only people, like only this is between me and God. But if somebody else is to ask you about it, it's like, yeah, I did say that's what I value. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's where I think it's so important to have relationship with the person that you are accountable to, but also that that person isn't like your boss because otherwise no, you're kind of no. this spinning in the back of your mind of like, well, they could take this away from me. And that's why they're acting that way. You want somebody who, you know, loves you and is for you. And Absolutely. exactly like you said, wants to point you back to Jesus, wants to point you back to the values that you have, you know, maybe even put on paper. And what a beautiful example of, like you said, speaking the truth and love and grace and truth working in partnership together where you should never feel condemnation, but you should actually feel supported and uplifted that people actually care about you enough to remind you of who you are through those boundaries. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so my next question is a lot of people surprisingly had questions about like cutting people out of their life. And I love it because it's mostly because my girls are like so nice and they're like, okay, well, should I cut them out? And so uh, <laughs> one of the questions was, what's the line between being mean for cutting someone out of your life and knowing of whether you should just distance yourself but not cut them out? I would love to hear your answer to that. Well, here's what I believe. I believe that there are some people who are well suited to love from a distance. Mm -hmm you determine the distance mm. depending on who they are, you know, what, what's kind of going on. Mm. You know, I think the term, you know, kind of cutting them out. I think that has like that mean girl terminology, but the reality of it is everybody is not well suited to kind of walk the journey with you. And, you know, the, the Bible says we're supposed to walk in love towards, toward everyone, but not necessarily with everyone. And some people are just not going where you're going. So it's less about cutting them and more about, you know what, I'm just going to love them from a distance. I'm going to pray for them. But I have certain goals and ambitions and values and standards, and they're just not aligned, and it's okay. And it doesn't make them a horrible person. doesn't mean I slander them and talk ill of them or, or you know, whatever you call that new terminology where you say bad things about somebody on social media, but you're really not, you're acting like you're not saying something bad, but you really are, the, you know, that whole shady thing. It doesn't mean you do any of that. It just means that you recognize you have different values, different standards, different goals. You're going a different direction and they're just not meant to go with you and be okay with peace with that. Because ultimately God holds each of us accountable to our purpose and our goals and what he has given us to accomplish. And if we're squandering it, because we're so busy trying to make sure we're being too nice to everybody, you're not being nice to yourself. There's a reason why on the airplane they say, put the oxygen mask on yourself first. You have to make decisions that are best for you, because if you don't, you're not going to be helpful to the people around you that actually need you, that you are called to serve and impact. Wow. Wow. That is so good. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. The next question that people had was about kind of along these lines, like you said, the whole mean girl aspect. So um, much like opposite of what most people think about pageants, pageant girls are actually like really awesome, typically very humble because they're just teachable and working on themselves. I have some of the greatest clients in the world. I feel very lucky, but still, let's just say outside of pageantry, there are people who like to be the nana nana who think that they have that kind of access to your life, maybe speaking death over your relationship. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a future mother-in-law that doesn't like you. Maybe it's another local director. Maybe it's a girl at school. What is your advice um, in how to deal with people talking negatively about you and maybe separating yourself from, from caring what other people think, but also being able to set boundaries for yourself through that? Well, you know, I'm a firm believer that when you know the truth, then it gives you a level of peace and confidence that you really don't have to 
to accommodate the people in the stand. So if you know that, you know, you're being kind, you know, you don't have ill intentions, you know, if you know this truth about yourself, then you can't go around trying to chase opinions and accommodate what everybody thinks of you. You know, Galatians 1 and 10 is one of my favorite scriptures and says, am I trying to please God or am I trying to please man? If I was trying to please man, I wouldn't be a bond servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. which you know, it's really about, I need to be doing things that please God, because if I'm doing things, if my goal is to do things that please God, then godly people are going to respect it. Even if sometimes I have to say no or set boundaries, they're still going to respect it and understand it because I'm doing things that are pleasing to God. People who don't understand it, they're just not your people and you pray for them and you just keep moving. And so you're not running. I know in pageantry world, everybody's, you know, be Miss Congeniality, but you can't be a woman of purpose with goals and ambitious while you're trying to win this conviviality. Mm-hmm. At some point you have to say, you know what, as long as God is well pleased and I'm playing for an audience of one, everybody else is either going to understand or I'm just going to pray for them and move forward wow. because you can get, that is such a trap that you'll never get out of. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I always tell my girls too, it's like, no wonder you're spinning in circles because your attention goes here and then 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 here. And you know, you're not focusing, you can't possibly take ground. And then we condemn ourselves for being in the same spot three months later when really, if you have an audience of one and you're focusing on the direction and hearing God's voice of what he has for you, then you're going to be able to move forward. So I mean, it's almost like in pageant world, when you think about it, and I've never competed in a pageant, but I've, <laughs> I've been a pageant judge a couple of times though, but it's almost like when they tell you, you know, you could have a, an auditorium with like a thousand people, but you've got like five judges and they're like, smile, hit your points. This is your, this is who you're really here for. And you know, you got people in the crowd and some are cheering, some aren't, you got sign, all that distraction. It's the same thing. You've got one audience. Yeah. One judge. And that's who, you, that's who you make eye contact with. That's who you smile. That's who you please. That's who you pull out all the stops. And, and that's what really matters because as, as many people in the stands that may have signs and cheer and clap, they don't get a vote. Wow. Wow, that's so good. Why are you giving attention to people who don't even get a vote? Like, hallelujah. <laughs> so good. Oh, so good. Okay, so you are a very busy. I love that pageant analogy. That just- just came to me. Yeah. Like the girls should really be able to see that. Like, Oh my God. Yeah. That's like pageant one Oh one. Yeah. They're going to love that. Love it. Okay. So last question. And then I want to help our listeners be able to find you, connect with you, all that good stuff. So you are a very successful, very, very busy woman. Uh, my listeners wanted to know from you specifically, how the heck do you balance your workload with taking care of your own needs and still like having fun, having a social life? How do you balance it all? Well, you know, it's really just, I say it's, you don't, we all only get 24 hours. So, you know, people say, how do you manage time? You can't because we're all given the same 24 hours. Mm-hmm. I'm just very fierce about my priorities and I'm very clear about it. And where I talked about being clear, I know the things I value. I value my faith. I want to have time, you know, every day to read and ground and meditate myself because I know it's going to make me a better person. I value good health. So I always make sure I have time to take care of my health. And so I'm always, you know, okay, I'm setting aside that time to go for a run or yoga or whatever I'm I'm doing that day because that's what I value. And then I value bringing excellence into my work and I value my marriage and my family. So I'm really clear and I make sure I'm putting the right things in the right bucket and I'm 
absolutely just fierce with guarding those priorities. So when distractions are coming, you know, and, and, and other things are coming, I just don't, you know, go down those rabbit holes because I'm so clear about what I value. And if it's not, you know, part of my value set, then I just don't give it, you know, that time and attention. And so that clarity is what allows me to have that balance because I'm really clear on what I value. And when you have that, you just don't, you just don't waste a lot of time with the things that, you know, aren't very meaningful. You know, the word says we're supposed to go and, and make good fruit. And so, you know, I'm very big about if it's not fruitful, then it's not for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if it doesn't line up with my values, I'm not getting distracted with, you know, time and attention with it. Wow. That is so that's how I balance it. <laughs> such a now word. I'm just like I'm soaking all this in for myself. Well, when you think about like, like if you think about, if you take an honest assessment of like your last 48 hours and you think about the time that's spent on things that are really not what you value. So when you get that clarity on what you really value, like if you're ready to compete, you've got certain values. And so, you know, listening to a gossip session, doing certain things, that's not in you. That's not like shouldn't be in your bucket of time you're willing to spend because it's not moving you toward your goal. Yeah. You want people around you that are doing the same thing. You know, I always say that there's three kinds of people. They're either pulling you up, pulling you down, or leaving you right where you are. You want to have people that are pulling you up. They're saying, come on, let's, you know, let's do this thing and, and have like-minded aligned. You don't have to want the same things, but have that same kind of, you know, we've got goals and we know our values um, and we're putting the time into the value buckets. Yeah. That's the things that don't matter. Yeah, that is so important, Stacey. And that makes it like, I just love the authority and the clarity that you speak with because I think confusion is one of the biggest lies of the enemy where he mm-hmm. tries to it is so cloudy. And I always tell my clients, I'm like, the devil works in the gray area. If something's black and white, you don't get confused. It doesn't affect your emotions because you're like, wrong, right. That's it. You know? And I believe that that's God's plan for us. So thank you so much for sharing your heart with us today. Like this was literally so valuable. Even if no one listens to this other than me, <laughs> I'm really like, okay, well, this is for me so we can go home now. <laughs> but, uh, like I got what I came for. <laughs> I know, right? I'm just about to, no, I'm about to send this to everyone. God bless the rest of y'all. Yeah. God bless the rest of y'all. <laughs> oh my God. It was so funny. Well, I would love for you to tell all of our listeners and the people who will watch this video how we can best connect with you. You are an amazing speaker as well as coach and author. Um, Tell us how we can connect with you and your books and all that good stuff. Okay. So I, you know, on Instagram, I'm, I'm, I'm actually my name on all the platforms. So I am Stacy Speller on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, um, and Stacy's with an E and Speller's with a P like Peter. Um, <laughs> and then I have a website, which is stacyspeller.com. Um, my books are available on the website as well as Amazon. I have free books. One is Directions to Destiny. And that's the one I mentioned that talks about, you know, finding yourself and then finding true love. I have another book. It's entitled Designer Life, how to kind of eight steps to take back your life and actually live the life you were meant to live and created to live. Mm-hmm. And the third is a devotional called Rest Well. And it really deals with the things that keep women up every night. And it's just a devotional. You know, most people start their day with a devotion, but this is ending your day with a devotion. You know, how to let go of all the things that stress us out and keep spinning in our head every night and just turn it over to God, have a scripture you can kind of meditate on at the end of the day mm-hmm. um, and go to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> so. Amazing. Well, you're amazing. It has been such an honor to talk with you for an hour today. And everyone, I'm so excited for you to listen to this episode. Thank you so much, Stacy, And we will see all of you guys next week. 
If you're ready to take your pageant life to a whole new level, make sure to join us in the Powerhouse Inner Circle, where personal development meets pageantry. Each month, for less than the cost of one coaching session with me, you'll get all my best coaching strategies through two live group coaching sessions, a companion guide to make it stick, and a community to grow with during your pageant prep. Head on over to powerhousepageantry.com forward slash inner circle to learn more and to see if there's a spot for you. Finally, thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. I know life is busy and that you may be listening on your commute, at the gym, or while cooking in between classes. We love helping you unlock the winner within you. And if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to us if you'd subscribe. If this episode really hit home for you, don't hesitate to let us know on Instagram by screenshotting this episode and sharing it to your story or by texting it to that one friend who really needs to hear this. It's all about spreading sisterhood and helping other powerhouse women like yourself grow. And remember, if you're ready to go all in on your pageant prep and to link arms with other achievers who want to win their pageants and win in life, our powerhouse inner circle could be the place for you. For questions, to work with us, or for topics you'd like us to cover, email info at powerhousepageantry.com and we'll be in touch. Thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week.